is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Mike Dente, a winner of multiple Football Guys Players Championship Leagues as well as an FFPC Main Event League title. Currently, he has three teams in the top 40, including one that sits sixth overall in the 7,800-team Football Guys Players Championship, a contest with a $2.1 million prize pool and a $250,000 grand prize. You can follow Dente's work at Fantasy Pros, Rotoballer, and Arbor Pro, and follow him on Twitter at FirstStopFantasy. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com/podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel as well. Now, without further ado, here is multiple Football Guys Players Championship and FFPC Main Event League winner Mike Dente. Stakes lowdown this week is one Mike Dente. Of course, you follow him on Twitter at First Stop Fantasy. That is one S T Stop Fantasy. Uh, Mike, thanks for doing the show this week. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Eric. You, uh, I, I want to get involved in, in and talk about because you have there's so much to talk about, not just with fantasy football, but, but with you as well and everything you're into. Before we get into it, when you are t- first of all, tell us where. Our listeners can find you, uh, find your work on the interwebs, and uh, tell us um, uh, when you're not crushing the Football Guys Players Championship, what you're doing for a living. Um, well, my work can be found at uh, fantasypros.com. Uh, I'm also writing for Roto Baller and Arbor Pro as well, which is like a, a new startup uh, high stakes website. So uh, that's pretty cool. And then. Um, yeah, when I'm not playing high stakes fantasy, um, I'm an assistant manager at a large retail chain, and I'm also a part time realtor. But uh, yeah, as I mentioned, from like June to December, I'm I'm writing for three websites. Um, I'm trying to grow my name in the industry and turn the whole fantasy football thing into something bigger than just a hobby. Yeah, definitely. And you are well on your way doing that. You're already an FFPC main event league champ. You have multiple football guys players championship league titles to your name and one of the things that i realized not only mike are you in sixth place overall out of 7800 teams in the 2018 football guys players championship but you have three teams in the top 40 overall that i mean that's in, i mean you have to be on top of the world right now yeah i try not to get too you know too excited it's it's super early um obviously there's a lot of football left but um, yeah, I mean, it's still for sure. It's still exciting to be, you know, in the top 40 or three teams. And, um, I don't know, I hope they can somehow keep it up or at least one of them anyways. Yeah. One, yeah, you only need one man, get that 250 grand for sure. Uh, let's specifically talk about the one that is closest to that $250,000, the one in sixth place overall. I'm curious you know, we always look at our teams after the draft to kind of do like a little self-analysis of, of how we did, how the team turned out specifically with this team. How did you feel when you looked at it uh, after the draft was completed and, and your thoughts on how good it could be this season? 
Yeah, I felt I felt pretty good about uh, pretty much every team I drafted this year. I think you know most people do, especially experienced um, you know drafters. Uh, just the amount of study and research I put in every draft, I kind of have a pretty good idea of where players would typically go, and you know I'm targeting a few of the same guys in every league. So um, you know I felt I felt pretty good about it for the most part. Looking back at this draft, it kind of leaves me a bit disappointed in a few areas. Um, you know, my fourth round pick of Derrick Henry's looking like a, I guess, a bad pick at this point, uh, which bothers me a bit because I usually stay away from running backs who don't catch many passes out of the backfield. Um, unfortunately, I lost my sixth round pick for the year in Delaney Walker. Uh, you know, we can't predict injuries, so I don't have any regrets there, but definitely a bummer, especially with the hot start that my team's jumped out to. Yeah, I mean, I look at that team. There's a you mentioned the. In, I mean, everybody's going to have injuries. That that's it is what it is. And certainly, maybe that Derrick Henry pick and it, it ends up benefiting you if Deion Lewis were to go down again too. All of a sudden, that might be looking like a sharp pick. Uh, we'll see. Like you said, a lot of season uh, remains left uh, to go as we are only two weeks in. Um, Tyree Kill has been uh, just flat out uh, destroying opposing defenses uh, this September so far in the NFL, and he was slipping in the Football Guys Players Championship to the third round. Sometimes I've seen him in the fourth round, too, of uh, some certain Football Guys drafts. You're obviously loving life, drafting him at the 211, given his performance thus far, um, despite a lot of people saying um, that, that you know he was going to be a bust this year. Tell us why you liked him there and what he's, you know, why he is proving people wrong with what he's doing out on the field. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm a big, big fan of Tyree Kill. Um, you know, I think mid to late August, he started going in the late second, early, early third. And, um, you know, so I won't take too much credit for being a genius, taking him in the second. Um, he's someone else high on for a few reasons. His, his speed and, and dynamic playmaking ability is rare. Um, you know, it's something I'm not even sure I've seen at the NFL level before. Just, you know, that one play kind of sticks to me from, from last year. Um, I don't know if you remember the one, but it was the last play of the first half. Kind of took that, like, it was like a 15, 20-yard pass, and then he just juked out the entire team. I don't remember who was against, but it was a real kind of eye-opener as to what he can do. Um, and, you know, I'm a big believer in Patrick Mahomes as well. So I felt with his arm strength um, and, you know, Andy Reid, who's generally has a, you know, a top offense, um, I felt pretty good about taking, uh, taking Hill in the late second. That was against the Cowboys last season was that was that end of the half play. And I do remember it. It was pretty crazy. I had Tyreek Hill on a bunch of teams last year, too. So I was loving it. I was like, oh, this is great. Get in, get in, get in, get in. And then he did. Uh, it was fantastic. That's why I love fantasy football, man. Uh, your eighth round pick, Nelson Aguilar, seeing a lot of action. Obviously, with Alshon Jeffrey still on the shelf. Mike Wallace, sounds like he's going to be out for a while. Maybe the season. We'll see. Uh, Carson Wentz comes back here now in week three, and we know that Matt Collins has already been IR'd. Uh, of course, the Eagles signed Jordan Matthews uh, earlier this week, but we, you know, who knows what, what that's going to entail. There's not a whole lot of else in, in the Eagles receiving cupboard there. It's kind of bare. Could Aguilar actually top 80 catches this season? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why I was targeting him, um, you know, around the seventh, eighth round. You know, even if you look back to last year, him and Alshon Jeffrey were actually pretty much identical in fantasy points per game. You know, uh, Jeffrey was has that shoulder injury that he's working back from, so I knew he'd be out a few weeks at least, and who knows 
if he'll be at full health afterwards. Uh, you know, barring injury, I think I think he's pretty much a lock to catch 80 passes. It's only two games in, but he's on pace for 144 right now. Um, you know, and and yeah, Carson Carson Wentz returning should only open things up even more for him. I think he's uh, ready to, to have a breakout year, and I think even 100 catches could be in play. Let's talk about the uh, the big news of the week. Uh, Josh Gordon moving on from Cleveland. He is now a New England Patriot. This is the best quarterback that he has ever played with in Tom Brady, obviously. And not only is he the best quarterback uh, that he's ever played with, it's the best quarterback by a mile, given what he's had in Cleveland uh, thus far uh, in his career. I- I'm curious, your thoughts, not only how good you think Gordon will, will finish or how bad, or if he'll finish the season, I should say. I mean, there's a wide wide range of outcomes with Gordon. But, but your um, – your projection on what he does the remainder of the season. And as a result, is there a player within the current Patriots pass catching core that you're actually downgrading based on this move? Uh, Well, it's funny you bring up this topic because I saw a poll on Twitter yesterday asking the same question. And shockingly, people are expecting him to finish as a wide receiver one, which, um, you know, I, I don't really see. The Randy Moss comparisons were flying everywhere, which is uh, a little extreme. He definitely has the potential to be a to be a wide receiver one in time. Uh, I don't think it's going to be as smooth of a transition as people think. The Patriots' offense is is complex. We've seen receivers struggle to adapt in the past, you know. And um, also, does Gordon fit you know the Patriot way? Are we just going to assume that he stays out of trouble, like you mentioned? Uh, he hasn't been able to over the past several years. If he shows up late to a meeting, is that going to fly with Belichick? Uh, so having said all that, I love his ceiling, but he's just a bench stash for the next several weeks until he tries to learn the offense. And from there, um, you know, he could break out towards the end of the year when it matters in the fantasy playoffs. Well, Mike, that, you bring up an interesting point with the Twitter poll, too, because I think those those serve a pretty good I mean, they're not, you know, always super accurate as far as taking the temperature and, and the climate of where the fantasy industry is at on a, on a certain player. But the fact that, I mean, I, I feel like people want to believe he is going to be a number one receiver rather than they think that they that he will uh, be a number one receiver in the respect of, oh, yeah, he, he, he should be a number one receiver the rest of the way. Okay, well, would you part with, you know, a, a, a number one receiver or even like a top 15 or top 18 receiver for him if, if you believe that? Oh, no, I couldn't do that. You know, and it's just like it's one of those things where it's like once you actually are making the move, it's very difficult to give up anything of quality for Josh Gordon in like even a dynasty trade. You talk about him going forward, and I think that's one of those things that, that you know, we often um, – see everything through rose-colored glasses until it's time to to you know uh, manage our own teams and and i think that that speaks um to to how you like to manage your team where you have to be cold and calculating and understand like look yes this guy has the talent to be a number one receiver but there's a lot of other factors here at play that that could cause him not to finish in the top 12 as well yeah, exactly. I think, you know, people just fall in love with the upside and they want to believe it's, uh, you know, it's going to happen. But like you said, when it comes down to it, are they willing to part with, like you said, a top 20 receiver type thing for them? I doubt it. So. So if you have them in your league, if you have them in a, in a redraft league right now, you are just holding them on your bench, seeing what happens and, and maybe making a more informed decision in, within the next month. I would probably, uh, 
see what I could get for them because there are people out there that, especially you know, less experienced fantasy players, depending on what leagues you're playing in, um, but like home leagues and stuff like that, I'll, I'll dangle them out there for a trade and just see if somebody's willing to pay you know, the upside price of him being a wide receiver one pretty much. A guy that um, has struggled out of the gate this season and uh, really his whole offense has, it's not just him, but David Johnson, I mean – and this is a guy that I know you were kind of down on um, in the in the draft process, and I can't imagine you ended up with him anywhere. Are things going to get any better for him, or is what we've seen so far what's in store for him for 2018? Um, this is exactly what I envisioned during drafting season. Um, you know, people need to understand that you can't just assume a player is going to come in and return to his 2016 status when he missed the previous year due to injury or he has a completely new coaching staff, goes from a Pro Bowl QB to Sam Bradford or a rookie um, and Josh Rosen when he comes in. But, um, you know, Arizona's a bad Arizona's a bad football team, um, and they have a predictably poor offense with pretty much zero playmakers aside from an aging Larry Fitzgerald and obviously DJ. Um, so those are all reasons why I have zero shares of David Johnson this year. I think the Cards will try to get him more involved moving forward, but he's not going to live up to that top five price tag. You know, you mentioned Larry Fitzgerald and, and we're, you know, full disclosure, we're recording this here on, on uh, Wednesday afternoon. And Steve Wilkes has just said that Larry Fitzgerald will in fact play in week three, despite that injured hamstring. You mentioned all those things that are going against David Johnson, you know, coming off the injury, uh, new coaching staff, going from Carson Palmer to Sam Bradford, well, a couple of those things are true of Larry Fitzgerald, too. Are you worried about him maybe letting a lot of fantasy owners down this year as, as he was, you know, anywhere from a third to fifth round draft pick in a lot of football guys' drafts? Do, do those same factors, except for the injury, do they apply to him as well? Yeah, I mean, uh, to a certain point. Like, I didn't uh, – I don't think I ended up with any Fitzgerald um, shares, but he wasn't somebody that I was – like as down on as I am with David Johnson, just because I figured the targets would still be there, that they'd be trailing a lot. They'd be throwing it to him quite a bit. Um, it hasn't happened in the first two weeks. Um, you know, his age has always kind of worried me because there's just a certain point where, you know, how much longer can he keep playing at this level? Right. Um, and I, I don't know if he's hit that point yet, but he's definitely got a, a few things working against him. I think he could be like a, a wide receiver two or three this year, but I'm not overly optimistic after the first two weeks anyways. Yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, that whole Arizona offense, I think you got to temper down your uh, your expectations for him. Not yours, Mike, because you already did. You already took care of that in the pre-draft process, but a lot of other people who invested on some of these other Cardinals, I think, um, you know, we're, we're counting down the days until it's, it's Josh Rosen time to see maybe if, if that has any kind of effect on this offense. Cause honestly, what, in your opinion, what can Arizona do at this point? I mean, they've sort of made their bed. There's not really any other sweeping changes they can make unless they, they fire Wilkes, which obviously they, they, I can't imagine they do year one, but outside of Josh Rosen taking over, that's basically it. I mean, I, I don't know what more that Arizona can do. Yeah. There's, there's not much they can do. It's just, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn, toot my own horn, but uh, I did see this coming. Cause it's just, you know, their offense just, doesn't look good, and it was pretty predictable from the beginning of the year. Um, you know, if Josh Rosen comes in, maybe he can spark the offense a bit. Um, I'm hoping 
for Fitzgerald owner's sake that maybe that he can, you know, get some targets when they're trailing and stuff like that. But that's just an offense I wanted to avoid. Well, Mike, this is a fantasy football podcast, and thus I am contractually obligated to make at least one reference to the phrase Fitzmagic, which I will do right now. He has taken over not only the, the NFC South, but uh, the, Tam- you know, the Tampa Bay Bucks and, and the, the press conference afterwards. Everybody's talking about what Ryan Fitzpatrick is doing uh, for this offense. Meanwhile, Jameis Winston is being sued by his Uber driver. So it's certainly opposite ends of the spectrum right now. In your opinion, um, Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, Chris Godwin, are any or all of those guys overperforming right now based on what Ryan Fitzpatrick's been able to uh, achieve thus far? And is there a player out of those three that you see regressing to the mean? Or, are, are I mean, are these all guys that, that, that we can expect big things for now in, in, for, for this uh, season as long as Ryan Fitzpatrick is slinging him the rock? Uh, well, Deshaun Jackson's playing out of his mind right now, and there's no way his production's sustainable. Um, you know, one of the things I like to look at to determine long-term success is a receiver's target share. And Jackson has just nine targets this year. Now, he's caught all of them, and he's somehow averaging 6.06 fantasy points per target. But, um, you know, Mike Evans is the clear wide receiver one there. I think Godwin's the number two. He has just one more target so far, but he's somebody that I did like as a late-round sleeper. Um, you know, and Deshaun's the big play guy. He's going he's gonna to be competing with O.J. Howard and Cameron Braid for targets. Um, he'll have some big games moving forward, but he's not going to be a consistent fantasy performer, certainly not top three as he is right now or even, you know, top ten. What do you make of O.J. Howard as long as we're on the subject of the Bucks, I mean, are we are we witnessing a breakout here from, from this tight end? Uh, or, or was, you know, I, I know that was kind of a weird play that he scored that 75-yard touchdown on. What are your thoughts on, on O.J. Howard for the remainder of the season? Yeah, I think he can definitely be a breakout candidate this year. Um, he caught quite a few touchdowns last season. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but his touchdown to reception ratio was was impressive. Um, you know, the biggest concern with Howard was Cameron Brait stealing uh, targets and stealing playing time. And I think they're starting to gravitate toward Howard a little more. Um, you know, the, the, the hard thing with the Tampa Bay receiving corps and the tight ends is there's just so many mouths to feed, right? you got you got Evans, who's going to always take a huge target share. you got Chris Godwin there. Um, obviously, we've mentioned Deshaun Jackson. And then you have Brait, and then you have Howard. So it's going to be hard him to perform on a consistent basis week to week but i think he can overall have a a pretty good breakout year uh yeah last year he had uh 26 catches for uh with six touchdowns so you're obviously spot on with the reception to touchdown ratio for sure he's already got uh five catches this season in the first two games and and then that big score that you had mentioned i'm a little i mean i guess i'm not uh, surprised i didn't think cameron Brait was going to be a world world beater this year but He's been blocking a lot more than I than I expected. And OJ Howard's actually been running more routes than than uh, Cameron Braid. So clearly, you know, they used the number one pick on OJ Howard. They want to get a lot out of him, and and they're certainly putting him in a position to succeed for sure, as you had mentioned. Um, that's enough on the Bucks. Let's move on and, and talk about these running backs catching passes. Holy cow! It's all anybody wants to talk about. It just let it it's time to revolutionize the scoring system and let we got to switch this and we got to switch that it's changed everything well okay that's fine if you want to talk about it from a 
you know, more of a meta future sense, I guess. But let's talk about the here and now. Uh, FFPC, football guys scoring, you get a um, a point per catch uh, for, you know, running backs and receivers. Obviously, uh, the tight ends getting the tight end premium scoring. But specifically, specifically about the running backs. Christian McCaffrey, 14 catches last week. Saquon Barkley, 14 catches last week. Chris Thompson, 13 catches last week. I mean, are these the guys that are going to be the, the league winners this year, the guys who are scraping up all these catches? Um, are they going to slow down anytime soon? Or, uh, I mean, are they, or I, I mean, maybe this is just, you know, we're talking about a two-week sample size, so maybe they come back down to earth. But, Mike, to me, it seems like if they keep this up, we're talking about taking these pass-catching running backs super early in 2019 drafts. Yeah, I mean, I think they have to slow down a little, right? I mean, it's pretty crazy. I think we're going to have, at this pace, I'm sure we'd have three or four guys breaking the record for, uh, you know, receptions in a season by a running back. Don't quote me on that, but it just seems that way. Um, but, yeah, I, I do believe the NFL is starting to shift more and more towards these dump-off style, kind of, you know, trying to get your star running back in space. Um, there seems to be a common trend of subpar offensive lines. And, you know, it seems to be the way to, to counter it for these teams. Last year, we saw rookie running backs dominate. And, you know, you look at what happened in drafts this season. Barkley was a first rounder. Um, Royce Freeman was a third rounder. Sony Michelle, Rashad Penny, Ronald Jones were all hovering around the fifth round in July. I know they kind of slipped down in August, but uh, it just goes to show you that everyone adapts braced, sorry, based on the uh, previous year. So, I think we will see pass catching running backs going a lot earlier in, in 2019. Yeah, it's it's been the story of the season. It could be the story for years to come. We shall see on that. Very compelling. Uh, very great if you ended up with any of those guys uh, for your rosters. You're probably like, no, don't change the scoring system. This is great. I finally figured out how to draft these guys properly. Um, by the time everyone hears this show on, on Rotoviz, uh, the FFPC and, and football guys waivers will have run. Uh, we will know who you ended up with. But prior to that, uh, can you let us know if there's anyone you're aggressively bidding on or, or any players that you're looking at picking up this week uh, in your drafts or in your leagues, I should say? Uh, to be honest, I haven't really looked at a lot of my leagues yet for waivers. i got to do that pretty much right after, uh, right after this podcast. But um, off the top of my head, there aren't many high-impact players that I'm going to be bidding aggressively on. I'm probably going to sit back, maybe put a few sprinkles out there for guys like Tyler Boyd, um, Jesse James, maybe Christian Kirk in Arizona, even though we were talking about kind of staying away from that Arizona offense. Um, I do know in the league that I'm currently sixth place in, I'm probably going to go after C.J. Anderson. I saw he's uh, he's available and he's 98% owned. Um, my RB2 in that league is James Conner. So if Bell comes back, I got to slip Derrick Henry into a starting spot. I could be kind of screwed there. So uh, I'll probably try and go after Anderson. And, you know, just in case McCaffrey misses any time, which is possible given his frame and current workload, um, you know, I think Anderson has that top 10, top 12 potential. Yeah, public service announcement to everybody who is a Zane Gonzalez, Daniel Carlson, Greg Zerline owner. Make sure you get those bids in on new kickers. Uh, the, we certainly don't want to see you. Um, well, maybe Mike wouldn't mind seeing you starting a, a kicker who is not employed. But we want to make sure that everybody's uh, being competitive as possible. So get those um, kicker bids in and make sure you get a, a fresh kicker in your lineup this week. 
Um, I, Mike, th listen, I know you're a busy guy, obviously, with, with all the work that you're doing. Uh, tremendous stuff for Arbor Pro, Fantasy Pros, Roto Baller. I mean, it's 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 all out there. I know you've got to get back to it and place your waivers. One last question before I let you go. Is there a stud uh, that, that fantasy owners might actually consider sitting this week? Uh, and then conversely, is there a sleeper that you think uh, will not be in a lot of high-stakes lineups that you actually think deserves to be there? Um, do we still consider David Johnson a stud? We do. He's still a stud. He's still, I mean, I don't, I don't know when the cutoff is, but uh, a few more weeks of this, maybe he's not anymore, but right now I think he's still a stud. Okay. Well then he's going to uh, be my pick there. I don't have any shares, but he's a player. I wouldn't be comfortable starting against the top ranked uh, Chicago run defense, especially if you have other decent running back options, obviously, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit David Johnson for, you know, like a, a backup running back who doesn't see many touches or anything like that. But if you have a decent backup option, I would I would uh, probably be sitting David Johnson this week. Um, I don't have any, you know, crazy sleepers this week. We're not really – we're not into the bye weeks yet. So I think, uh, you know, if you have to go with some, some crazy sleeper options right now, your team's probably in trouble. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, so – Having said that, I, I like a lot of the uh, 49ers players this week. I know a lot of people are, are down on Jimmy Garoppolo so far, but um, he's somebody I'm starting in a lot of leagues. Uh, Marquise Goodwin sat out. So, oh, got injured in the first week, sat out last week. So, you know, he's somebody who could produce big numbers if he returns to the lineup. I think uh, I think he did return to practice today. And then uh, how about Matt Breida? Leads the NFL in rushing, facing a 31st-ranked KC run defense, so he's a solid play. Um, and then lastly, I would say uh, Corey Clement from uh, Philadelphia. Depending on you know the health status of JHI and Darren Sproles, but he came in last week, uh, had I think a 20-point fantasy day, so uh, he's definitely somebody who, who could put up some uh, some pretty big numbers if if. Uh, Ajayi and Sproles are out. Yeah, I, and I, it sounds like Sproles is going to miss. Ajayi, I don't know. I mean, we'll have to follow it. But, Mike, okay. it, even if I, Ajayi does play, I mean, Clement has a role on this team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and and I think you make a good case for him being a flex this week. I think Matt Breida is a fantastic play this week as well. All good stuff from you, my friend. Of course, we'll follow you on Twitter at FirstStopFantasy. Check out your work at Fantasy Pros, Rotoballer, and Arbor Pro. Thanks so much for doing the lowdown with me this week, Mike. And good luck not only to that sixth-place team, but those other two teams floating around in the Football Guys Top 40. Uh, you, you certainly have some interesting, uh, interesting teams to be rooting for here going forward. And uh, best wishes to all of your fantasy teams this year, man. Thanks a lot, Eric. I appreciate you having me, man. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast.